Welcome to Sticks and Taps, where the conversation is hockey and the keg is always cold. The games will be on soon, so let's step up to the bar, grab a pint, get into it. Your host, Paul Cuthbert and Liam Maguire. Slander, fellas, and don't forget to pay your tabs. Well, thank you so much there, Seamus. Good day. Giddy up. Good afternoon and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Sticks and Taps, ladies and gentlemen. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert here. And me good man, sitting next to me here at the bar, Mr. Liam McGuire. <laughs> Liam, for God's sakes, what's the story, man? How's she going, Polly? How's she going, buddy? How are you? She's going good, man. Great to do this with you. And it's... Uh, Likewise. It's a beautiful day here in New York. How about yourself, buddy? What's going on up there in North and uh, oh, the great oh, city of Ottawa? Very, very nice. The last uh, 24, 36 hours here have been uh, quite warm. Only uh, a little bit under zero uh, Celsius. You guys are still on Fahrenheit down there, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they tell us, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All you know is that you still need probably a sweater if you're going out at least. But no, it's, it's, it's actually, uh, <clears throat> we got down to about close to minus 30 um, Celsius with the windshield there last week. So it's warmed up quite a bit. It's quite comfortable out. And um, you wouldn't need uh, you still you wouldn't need any ice on the cooler. The pints will chill just nicely outside. But uh, it's uh, it's it's actually quite quite nice uh, right now. And there's no I don't think there's any snow or anything on the horizon. We had uh, we had a pretty good storm over the weekend there, and uh, you know a few inches by your standards, and 21 centimeters here. But it was uh, it was a good blow, and uh, we're recovering from that, getting all the roads cleared up. But no, it's good. Temperature's good. It's real nice right now. Hey, buddy, if you ever need a gig doing the weather, pal, you, that was beautiful, man. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm a man of many talents, I'll tell you. <laughs> and now, Liam McGuire with the weather. <laughs> yeah, coming from uh, you live <laughs> at your closest bar. <laughs> too much. Well, look at us, buddy. Sticks and taps, baby. Uh, our first episode here together, and uh, really excited to do this with you. We are going to be talking hockey, baby, because that's what we do. That's what yeah. we, you know best, uh, and we'll dip into some pop culture and other stuff, too, if we feel like it, buddy, because uh, we're at the bar, and as you know, all kinds of conversations come up. We'll keep the politics and religion for, for the church and, and, for the, and, and for the village hall. Oh, halls, you know what? Right? I, I, I'm sure it'll, it'll raise its head periodically given uh, you're an Irish New Yorker and I'm an Irish Canadian, so it's probably at some point, uh, especially with what's going on over there too, it'll probably come up at some point in time. But look, at, hold on, pal. Hold on. I know we got lots of hockey talk here to do the next 30, 35 minutes, whatever. But what about the Baseball Hall of Fame? We got the second Canadian going in with one of your New York boys there in New Yorker, there, Mr. <laughs> Derek Jeter, who missed by one vote. It's like Connor McDavid wasn't a unanimous choice, right, for the All-Star game. He missed, he missed by one vote. I'm thinking it's the same guy. The same guy through the voting. Like, what the hell? That's how retarded is that? So so what what, what do you think about, uh, you know, I don't know how much of a baseball guy you are. I'm not a huge fan, but this is massive news here north of the 49th that Larry Walker is uh, is going in with Derek Jeter. Well, I tell you what, I actually lived in Colorado, uh, and uh, I was there maybe the second or third year, not too long after the Rockies came into the league. Uh, this was ninety five, ninety six. It was I was there actually. I was there the year. This is how lucky I was, Liam. I was there the year the Avalanche. Uh, I mean, the the Nordiques became the Avalanche and won the Cup. Oh. I was at the parade that year. Come uh, on, I never, I didn't know that, brother. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, 
after so here I am, happy days. Rangers win the cup in '94, and you know you guys won in '93. The Habs, yep. uh, the strikes, uh, you know the the partial season there, all that nonsense. Devils yes. won in '95. Yep. So I take off. I, I go and, uh, you know, I break up with the girl here. It wasn't going good. The band broke up. I was young. My buddy had moved out there, and he says, hey, you know, I'd visit him a couple times. I loved it. I said, what the hell? I'm young. Let me go travel and live. So I go out there, and I end up being out there. Uh, like I said, that year was amazing, seeing the Avalanche and Sackick and Forsberg, all these guys at their young yeah. age, and Patrick Awa coming over. It was just, I, you know, coming from New York and being a big hockey guy, I had stepped in hockey heaven and just watching, you know, Colorado as a state. And Denver as a city, just this 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 ride they went on, you know, until uh, you know beating the the Panthers in the final. So it was incredible. But also, I I got a job because I did some bartending, I did some DJ, and obviously some music work and stuff like that. I got a job at the Sports Column, which was right across the street from Coors Field, and Larry Walker and all those guys were playing back then, and I, I can't right. remember they weren't. They were called the Bombers or something, not similar to what the Yankees were called here. They were called the Bronx Bombers, obviously. There was something going on, but they, they were marketed all over the place. And Coors Field was brand new, and I, when I got there, all the natives had told me, you know, uh, where I was working and hanging out in downtown Denver, it was brand new. It was all newly renovated and everything else, so... Um, I loved it. So I got great memories of, uh, you know, uh, Larry Walker, that whole team. Uh, I think they got into the, the – was, was just to start around the wild card thing with the baseball and everything. I'm a diehard Yankee fan, buddy. So, uh, I'm, you know, guys like Derek Jeter. And, and the other tie in there, too, with me living in Colorado back then, that was 90, you know, 95-96 when Torrey took over the team. And yep. they went and they won their first World Series coming back and beating the Braves that year. So I had the Avalanche winning. I got to go to Coors Field, which, again, was a brand-new baseball stadium. It's gorgeous, man. I don't know if you've been to Denver. Uh, no, I love no. and miss that city so much. Um, but it's right there on the edge of town. Um, and this is this is they, that was the old McNichols Arena where the Avalanche played. They got the huge Pepsi Center now. But back then, that's yeah. where the old uh, Colorado Rockies used to play. That's so right. That that's right. Intimate build. I used to, when the Rangers came in, I went and saw so many games that year. Like I said, I was you, you couldn't beat it. It was a magical year for me. So Yankees win the World Series that year. Larry Walker and those guys were huge. It was awesome. Uh, they were just crushing the ball of the park that, that year. And then, like I said, so there you go, buddy. So for me, it's funny you bring it up. Jeter going in, like I said, yeah. he was he was young on the Yankees team. And the rest is history with that, uh, you know, uh, run that those guys had with Torrey. I was a guy who grew up, uh, I loved Joe Torrey as a kid when he was the Mets here and stuff like that. So it was a huge connection for me being a little homesick and, and seeing the Yankees. And it was a bunch of New Yorkers transplanted there. And we all used to get together in the apartments and the bars and watch that Yankee run that year so uh great memory for me man so i love it so two things so number one the cup winning goal was scored by Huey croup right 1996 yes. against florida in triple overtime that's the longest game in stanley cup deciding history brad hulls in 99 i believe is in second place and uh might be third might possibly be um the when the new york rangers won the stanley cup in 1950 they won it in double overtime in Game 7 on a goal scored by a man named Pete Babando in, uh, in 1950. They beat the Detroit Red Wings. And, uh, but Huey Krupp in 96, that's the longest ever in Stanley Cup deciding history. And then the last thing I want to, as a, back to you as a question, and then we can get on with it, because I, I want to ask you, you know, we're buddies, we're sports guys here, well, hockey guys, but still, one guy didn't vote for Jeter. One guy, like, that that should that guy should be outed and punted, should he not? <laughs> well, That's I have so 
I mean, I, I don't know who he is, but he probably maybe works for the Mets or the Astros <laughs> or the Red Sox. He might be yeah. from Boston, Houston, or Flushing Queens over here. I I don't know. I mean, look, um, I don't know where you got. I mean, it's funny as as amazing as as Derek Jeter is, and he's a god to uh, us Yankee fans. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah. he you wouldn't believe. Especially the Met fans out here, you know they can't stand them. Obviously, the arch enemy. We're the evil empire yeah, here. I know. All I the, know. It's like you know you, you got to look at it in the way like the Habs, how they were just you know a cup a year there for for so long, and yeah, no matter yeah. no matter how great those guys, like for us as Ranger fans here watching those, I have so much more respect for them now as an uh, as an older guy. But yeah. the Islanders back then from, you know, uh, I mean, we beat them in 79, obviously, to go play the Habs, and you guys won that year. But those that five, six years of the Islanders just going and drive for five, I mean, we they, they broke. played you guys. You guys played them almost oh, every year at the playoffs, too. God, I'm still getting over, um, you know, uh, Morrow's well, overtime goal. When game four, eight, 80, that, that 84 oh. game, game five, 84, which was a best of five at that time. That that's one of the greatest hockey games I've ever seen in my life. That oh, Ranger Islander game '84. There was a big political convention in town here, uh, conservative convention in town in Ottawa here, 1984. I remember that vividly. I was actually scheduled to do some work for it. I was seeing a girl, and and she said, "I need your, you know, hire you and everything else." But it was game five that night, and as soon as the game started, <laughs> I was out of there. I left my ship. <laughs> I never got paid. I booted out of there. I went to the bar across the road and watched that game. And uh, that was one of the most amazing games. That third period, oh, unreal. Broke uh, anyways, heart, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just wanted to ask you about Jeter and uh, the one moron who didn't vote for him. And I, I, I get it. I get that it probably, you know, you, you just, you, you, you're conditioned to think that somebody who's in a position to be, a, to be making selections for a Hall of Fame would be above anything petty like that. But then if it's not petty like that, then it's got to be petty for another reason, where you would look at your ballot that you could mark as many as 10 names, anywhere between what? I think one and 10, depending on whatever you choose out of the 398 or 400 uh, eligible voters. And you don't mark Derek Jeter, and you're the only one. And I just think that person should be outed. And and you you should be punted. You have shown <laughs> an inability, a, a cognizant comprehension inability to actually do the duty that's required of you. And and if you're trying to just be be that guy or that woman, then you you should lose your right to. Uh, and if, if you want to do it anonymously, that's fine. But get them the hell out of there, anyways. I don't yeah, well, well, that's the, well, that's the only tie-in that I get in. That's why I was trying to explain. Like I said, you can have as much respect for these, but like I said, you, you know, you, you load these guys. You hate, you know, the guys that you know, you, you, you all the losing and everything else. So that's all I can think of. It's either you yeah. know, a Red Sox yeah, yeah, fan I or a, I get or a it. That's for sure. I know, man. <laughs> well, look at Boston. Is there? I mean, was it 4 They came back right against the Yankees. I think so. You know, I mean, that's that's gonna that that probably rivals anything the Bruins have done, and they won that cup in 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 2011 in dramatic fashion, right? Taking the Habs to OT in Game Seven, and then going on to win the cup at seven games against the Canucks, and 
that series ping-ponged around, like, you know, with the scores and everything until Boston went in Vancouver, won game seven. So, you know, I mean, it's uh, that, that that Red Sox win against the Yankees, the evil empire there. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? So, no, I get it. I get it. I, I just thought, you you know, you're New Yorker, baby. So I just had to ask you, you know, see what uh, see what you thought. And then hey, the look. irony, of course, is that we got a Canadian going in with him, right? Larry Walker, born and raised, Maple Ridge, BC, baby. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, played for the Expos on top of that. So it's, it's as you can imagine, Paulie, it's been... This has been the number one story in Canada for 48 hours here. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a pretty, pretty big news here. Big news. Nah, it's, it's great stuff. And uh, it, like I said, Larry Walker, that brings back a great memory for me, obviously. You know, I was 25 at the time and, and watching him play uh, in his prime there in the beginning of his career uh, down in Colorado. And look, as far as Jeter yeah. and the one vote, buddy, he's in, right? When it's all yeah, said and done. In. Yeah. He's in, and he deserves to be in there. And that whoever didn't vote for him, no big deal. So uh, yeah, yeah, I it know. is what I it just, is. No, I just like to get. I just get going sometimes on stuff like that. Oh well, you know, I, you know I'm sitting here. You know, we're what we're for ten minutes in here already. Me and you joke about let's do a half hour podcast. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's no chance. Oh man, all right, brother. I know. Wanna... <laughs> and down the road, like I, I got a doctor's appointment today. As you know, I had, uh, I, uh, you know this, but I guess anyone listening probably doesn't. But I had some minor surgery done on on my left hand and a week ago, and uh, I'm going back in to see the doc today. I got a pile of stitches in my palm and and up a couple of fingers, and that's uh, so I'm just getting my my weekly checkup here today. So. But you're right. I, I totally get it because uh, it does feel like we're sitting at the bar and the keg's always tapped. And, and I guarantee you at one of these in the not-too-distant future, I will be having a beer while we're doing it. <laughs> no doubt. We welcome it. We hope everybody listening is popping one or two, okay? It's yeah, all yeah. good. All right, pal. So, look, we're hitting the all-star break here in this great league of ours, the NHL. Um, yeah. It's uh, just games is a... Uh, it's not even one game anymore, right? It's two games here on Saturday night. You know, I want to ask you about the uh, the format and your your take on it. Obviously, it's been in, in place now for a couple of years. But uh, you got the Caps at the top in the East here as far as uh, that's going, and the Blues uh, on the West side. And then a lot of mix there uh, as well as far as um, in, you know, a couple teams there uh, in terms of Pittsburgh and, and the Islanders and Tampa yep. and everybody else and stuff. So it, it's been a good run. So... I guess my quick question here to you is um, your take on the all-star format uh, more than anything, and then um, maybe just a quick take on, on who's at the top of the league right now. Well, you know, the, the all-star format, they've, they've tried pretty much everything, it seems, in the, in the last 40 years, for 50 years. I mean, when, when, they, when they gassed, the defending Stanley Cup champions playing the all-star team, which the last one was 67, I believe. And then uh, I guess they moved that to the technically to the calendar year 68, but it was the Leafs taking on the all-stars as they were the cup winners in 67. And then they went east versus west. Like, oh, I go through the whole thing. Everybody knows the history of it. Fact is, is that so now they've got the three-on-three going. And I think the first year they did it, uh, those of us who still watch it were pleasantly surprised because – uh, the pace wasn't, you know, wasn't bad. Obviously, it had to be decent because of the reduction of players actually on the ice. And then when they added in the million dollars to it, you actually got a decent game, you know, by competitive standards, minus any type of contact. But the thing is, in re- even regular three on three, in the in the regular season, you, you don't see a lot of contact anyway. So it was probably the closest, or has been the closest these last few years that they've done that, that we've seen mirroring 
what we least see in the NHL because we do see three-on-three so often in the NHL. So I thought, okay, you know, you've given us that. The skills are the skills. They are what they are. You know, gimmicks aside, and they've they've, they've gassed the theatrics on dressing up and doing all sorts of crazy stuff and whatnot that the KHL still does. But they, they are what they are. And and now they've got the game and they're going to put the women in on Friday night. I believe the Americans and the Canadians will play. And and uh, so they're trying to, to do as much or more as they can as they can. Kendall Coyne skated last year and participated in a number of the other drills. We only saw the skating on TV, but as I understand it, she was on the ice for for that whole session doing some other stuff as well. We just saw the, the her, her participating in the lap around the, the ice. And now they've got the women are actually going to play. So. You know what, Paulie? I mean, it, it is what it is, right? It's a vacation for ninety-eight uh, percent of the league, and I don't know what to do with it. I, I mean, the the players don't really want to be there. There isn't a single one of them that wouldn't want to be on a beach somewhere. Let's be honest. Yeah. The 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 fans, nobody likes it. <laughs> no, like the, <laughs> the the overwhelming majority. If you go on social media on whatever platform you follow, nobody likes it. But you know where who loves it and who benefits from it is the whole city. Like this is in St. Louis this year for the first time in forever, and and uh, and they're defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, as I understand it, it's 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 going to be a great show. They've sold all the tickets because three quarters of your building's filled by corporate anyway. Mm-hmm. I know it was here in Ottawa, and my son and I went, and and uh, you know when we went to the festivities the day before, they had all the trophies there. They had a big fan fest and everything else, and. And uh, I actually, I didn't actually formally speak at it, but I, I did a couple of interviews there myself. Uh, I was interviewed by a couple of the media outlets that were in town and whatnot, had me on their shows and things like that, talking hockey history and all-star history and everything. And it was great. I mean, this is a few years ago. My son was younger, you know, he was a young teenager at the time and he was playing hockey. I was coaching him. He went, a lot of the other of his peers went. They loved it. They loved it. So who's the game for? Is it for the guy that's sitting at home at 40 years of age or 50 or 60 and and saying, yeah, you know, and just, just thinking it's the worst thing in the world and why are we even doing it or whatever? Or is it for the kids and is it for the whole city and the corporates and, and, and a give back because it's a, it's a revenue generator and, and it adds a little extra piece of the puzzle for your season ticket holders and you do something for your business partners and your sponsors. So I think people have to understand that for the whole cities, it's a win. And for the for the people in attendance and the people, everybody that's affected by the game positively, it's a win. And then for everybody else outside of that, they couldn't care less about it. So, you know what, pal? I, I don't know what your thoughts are. I'll hear them right now. But, I mean, it is what it is. And I'll tell you right now, I'll be watching. I'm yeah. going to watch it. I, I, I always do. Yeah, no, I get you. I think you know uh, more than anything. Like I said, it's 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 the modern day format. I mean, obviously, you know, myself, I, I miss the old classic days when you know uh, they just mixed it up, played the one game. You know, you knew you were going to get a bunch of goals, and you just wanted to see your favorite personalities and everything else. I mean, we're you know we got no doubt about it. this. There's some fantastic stars in the game today, and I guess you know you you're you're just a victim of of the decades or the years that you lived, and especially when you were younger and you were a kid. So I mean, we look back and we you know that's when Gretzky and Lemieux and Messier and uh, we're playing and all the great goaltenders like Cujo and Rua and Brodeur and, you know, Richter and all that other stuff. And you can go on and on and on, Eddie Balfour and all the different storylines and everything else. So, you know, that's where I'm thinking. And then, you know, change, 
that comes to anybody, you know, and I guess, you know, me and you, again, you're a historian, uh, you know, and then an historian, and we've seen the game evolve as far as, you know, the officiating and, you know, the, the red line, you know, the, 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 just the nets being moved out, uh, you know, just the way the game is played. It's, it's completely different. It's a lot faster, all that clutching and glabbing. And then we've, we've gone on and on about the, uh, the enforcer role here in the league. So it's changed. So here we are. It's the all-star format. I mean, for more than anything, like I said, as long as the host city sells the game out, right? And then uh, as far as the league is thinking, as far Which as they more, always do. Yeah. Uh, you know, for marketing and everything else and selling new jerseys and all that other stuff. I mean, it's, it is yeah. what it is. But I, I get you. You know, I mean, the, the, you know, with the, with the official – you know, the bye week, I guess they call it in the league, is something that, like I said, was never, I mean, you know, technically it's, uh, I don't think it's ever been as long as it is now, like almost like, you know, it's like almost eight, nine days now before uh, everybody gets back onto the ice and, you know. Well, for, yeah, if your bye week is right now, like it is for Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa, you're, you're, you're eight, nine days between games. Like for other teams, I mean, there were two games last night, so those four teams obviously aren't getting that length of time. Well, I don't know. Maybe their bye weeks maybe next week. I haven't checked. I don't know what Columbus, Detroit. Minnesota, uh, Winnipeg. I don't know what the you know if they're actually Winnipeg is going into their bye week. So 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 there you go. So they they are off now. They don't play again until the thirty first. Yeah. Today's what the twenty third. So there's eight days. They've got eight days off. The Winnipeg Jets. So but you know what the other thing uh, you want to talk about this format right now. It, 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 they have to take somebody from every team, and it's been that way for years. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The host team. The host team should have a representative. But other than that. Just put the best players down. And then the other thing is, like, and believe me, as a Hub fan, I'm not minding this, but the Montreal Canadiens on Monday night play their next game. They're home to the Washington Capitals, who are going to be missing Ovechkin because he's suspended because he's not going to the All-Star game. So he gets suspended for a game, and he's, he's going to miss the Hubs. Now, hey, you know, I mean, the Hubs are <laughs> 10 points out of a playoff spot. So, you know, they're not probably you know, they're going to need to. You know, they're not going to, but I mean, not have Ovi in that game is obviously beneficial to Montreal. But I mean, you know, Austin Matthews isn't playing, but he's going. He's going to attend, which is what Sidney Crosby did a couple of years ago. Because Sid started all that, right? When he didn't go and they said, hey, we can't have that. We need you guys there. But not guys are begging off. Like, though, it needs, they need to figure something out. But I, 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 I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I mean, me personally, uh, just my last thought on it really is. I wish it was the defending Stanley Cup champion playing, uh, you know, 18 of the best All-Stars in, in a one game. And look, you're not going to – it's not going to be like it was in the 40s and 50s. I mean, you had fights, for God's sake. I mean, Gordie Howe uh, fought in the 1948 All-Star game, which I believe it was Gus Mortson. You had Red Kelly. Red Kelly had two fights, I think, in his NHL career, and one of them was in the 1954 All-Star game, and he fought Bert Olmstead. I mean, it's you're not going to get that today. But I think if you if you if you had the defending Stanley Cup champions, what would be? Anyways, I'm just getting ahead of myself. But I mean, it just it just uh, you could do I didn't something. Mean to touch a nerve, buddy. <laughs> well, that does, it doesn't take much, eh, Polly? <laughs> Bartender, don't go over. bartender two shots over here right now. We gotta calm Liam down in this all star thing. I've 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 touched something down deep down in his heart. <laughs> I'll probably be sleeping, catching up on sleep. Oh God. Hey, you know what? The hell with it. It's gonna go on and uh it's not going anywhere. Remember in eighty seven they canceled it for rendezvous? 
and they yeah. did the NHL All Stars against the Russians. They played two games in Quebec See, City. They were great that's games, what but I like I like. Well, that you know, there was still such an allure, right? Playing the Russians, and that led yeah. into the '87 Canada Cup, which gave us the the '87 Canada Cup final, which are the three greatest games ever played in the history of the sport of hockey, uh, in in September of 1987. So, but the the forerunner of that was Rendezvous, which was a two game series with NHL All Stars against uh the russians and and there was no 87 all-star game because of that so and obviously there's been other years where they haven't had an all-star game for different reasons and and could be olympics could be whatever uh you know lockouts and stuff we didn't have all-star games so having said that this game's going on and i'll be watching so i can say everything i want (laughs) but i'll be watching on saturday brother so there there you go it's another great reason to pop the cap on another bottle, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. So is every day that you're breathing and you get up and put two feet on the ground. But, I mean, you know, I'm going to watch hockey because that's what I do. And, Absolutely. And uh, I'll, I'll be watching. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, I know that third game that we're going to get between whichever divisions is going to be a competitive game because they're playing for a million bucks. And even though once you divide it amongst all the guys and it's chump change compared to their salaries, that's still they're walking away with 100 and change. And and that's a hundred and change American, by the way, not Canadian. <laughs> that's good money, baby. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, because we've seen it in the last couple of years. It's it's going to be it'll be entertaining, and there's going to be some really good players on the ice. But you know that that stuff we saw in the '90s, like scores were seventeen, thirteen, and sixteen, fourteen. Like, give me a break. And then when they they did. I thought the five years they did Team North America against uh, Team Europe was was good. Yeah, I, I I like that. We had we had writers up here in Canada because the majority of the team was Canadian. You know, it was six or seven Americans and about thirteen Canadians on the team. This is the way it was, and uh, they said uh, we're going to kill. You know, these guys are going to get p- killed by the European speed and skill and 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 mastery of all the. Uh, I just went, well, unbelievable. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh, I'm talking about 20 years ago now, and that, and that, that was just, uh, that's what we got to deal with, some of the ridiculous, asinine idiocy that exists sometimes from writers who don't get the overall concept. But uh, I'll be watching Saturday, pal. <laughs> Sounds good. Writers, beware. <laughs> Steer out of Liam's way, buddy. <laughs> get it right or don't get it at all. <laughs> oh, I've hammered hundreds of them for years. So it's, uh, yeah, but I love-hate relationship. They love to hate me. <laughs> It's all healthy, man. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right, buddy. So look, you brought up two names there. Let's let you brought up Austin Matthews. Let's talk about the Leafs here real quick, as far as this, uh, and then we'll get into Ovechkin too, because uh, I know you recently did a uh, a write up on him, a blog uh, that you have yep. on your on your LinkedIn play, uh, page as well. And I know you were on SiriusXM yesterday talking it up too as well. But let's start here with the Leafs. I'm an old. Doug Gilmore was one of my favorite all-time players. All For right? sure. And I had my 93 jersey with the Leafs, uh, uh, you know, you know, watching the Leafs and the Rangers uh, side by side there. Obviously, I'm a diehard Ranger fan, you know, born and raised with them here uh, in New York. But um, I that that Leaf team as well there, and it was 92, 93, I guess, Um but the run they had and obviously run out of gas and obviously the, the Gretzky thing and the stick and all that other stuff. But, you know, the, the Leafs were always um, – so I'll talk it from, from down south here in, in the States. Obviously, the diehard hockey fans here, we're, we, we, we get into all the teams in the cities, the original six, so we know them all. Uh, you know, at least I can say that too. So storied franchise, 
uh, a billion dollar franchise now. Uh, there, you know, Toronto is called the uh, the epicenter of um, you know hockey in, in the world. That's where it all happens. You know, I'm sure everybody in Montreal would disagree with that. <laughs> but um, you know, so you look back and you see this franchise, and 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 uh, I don't know, I don't know the year right now off the top of my head, but what it's it's over 50 years since they've won a championship. I'm sure. And yep. uh, rebuild after rebuild, they got real close there with Dougie's team. Um, and a couple of runs there with Pat Burns and everything else. And then, um, you know, they've been fighting ever since they had, uh, um, Sedin was in there as well too, right? No, I'm sorry. Um, Matt, Matt Sundin. Matt Sundin. Yeah. Okay. You're talking mid, mid nineties yep. there. Yeah. They went to the semifinals and back to back years and they had the Gretzky Gilmore incident in, in 93 and, and with the high stick that wasn't called by Kerry Fraser. And then in 94, they lost to, uh, to Vancouver in the semifinals and Vancouver went on to lose to the Rangers in seven games in the Stanley cup. So, and they went to the semis after that as well, a couple of times, uh, you know, that they had great, they had some decent runs with, with Pat Burns and then Pat Quinn as their head coach. And, but they have uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have not won a playoff round in 15 years. They may not. And now they're four points out of a playoff spot as we sit here today, Paulie. And, and uh, I mean, they're in trouble, man. So they're in my, trouble. So here's my thing, right? So I'm looking on the big picture here and you look at, you know, you can take, you know, you take Montreal, right? Not winning a championship since 93, but they've gotten, you know, close a couple of times as well. But you see, you see the Toronto Maple Leafs as an, org- as an organization, the money. And look, it's the same thing here with the Rangers, right? They're another billion-dollar franchise here, too. I mean, granted, we won yeah. in 94, but, man, there was 40 years in between that. We're heading into 20, 25, 26 years now since they've won the other one. Obviously, we got into— Yeah, but you uh, got in a final. Yeah, I you know. know like you I gotta- said, we're getting there. But so— you know, original six teams. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is you see this team now out of the playoffs. They bring in, you know, Babcock. He's not there anymore. All the change going on. What What is it about the Toronto Maple Leafs? Are they just a cursed franchise? Why can't they get it going, Liam? I mean, I mean, I didn't realize the number you just gave me there, not winning a playoff series in 15 years or something. That's just unbelievable. When you think yeah. about the, you know, all the teams that eventually do win, you know, the Kings win those two championships after so long. The Blackhawks win those championships after so long. Uh, St. Louis wins its first championship here. Um, and then, you know, it must be sickening being a Leafs fan or, or any of the uh, original six team. And yet you see Vegas getting into the finals there. But what's the story up there, man? They got all the money in the world, all the talent in the world. Uh, Lamarillo was in there, all this kind of stuff. I mean, take take me inside, Liam, and and... and and teach me and tell me what you think is going on up there in Ronto. Well, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's the old proverbial $64 million question, but uh, except the stat, the uh, salary caps about 83 million, but, and they're right up against it. And, um, you know, I mean, as I said, this was a team that, um, uh, they, they suffered through the eighties. Harold Ballard was still alive. Harold dies. Cliff Fletcher comes in. He did an outstanding job as GM. You mentioned Doug Gilmore's name. He picked him up in the biggest trade in NHL history in terms of active players involved, a 10-player deal uh, done, I believe, the day after New Year's in 92. And uh, Dougie comes to the Leafs, or 91. Dougie comes to the Leafs, and um, uh, among others, and they had a real good run, you know. And it's just a tough trophy to win, uh, to win but they had a pretty good run. They They – had even, uh, you know, a couple of decent years in the late 90s as well. And early 2000s, they made Ottawa their personal whipping boy. They played them four times in five years, I believe it was. Beat them every time in the playoffs with the Senators favored in at least two of those. And included in that was the last time the Leafs won a playoff series in 2004. 
After that, the dismantling of the veterans, you know, everybody went. Ty Domi, Shane Corson, Wendell Clark, Matt Sundin, eventually all your key components, Gary Roberts, go down the line. Curtis Joseph, goaltender, you, you, you know, move, guys got moved out. Pat Burns or, or Pat Quinn, every, you know, people just moved so along. So many great names, buddy. Yeah, a lot of great names. And they had a great, they had a great team. They were, they were competitive. The, I'll tell you what, that, that playoff series um, they had against the Islanders in the early 2000s, that, 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 you know, it's just, again, because it came in the second round, you know, people, it, it gets lost in all the other great series. But that was a fantastic series. It was rough. It was violent. It was competitive. There was great plays, great goals, great hits, great fights. Line brawls, it had everything, I thought. And it's just, it's a, you know, it's so freaking tough to win the Stanley Cup. You know, you you had a stretch there, Paulie, of nine years with nine different teams winning the Cup consecutively. It's never happened before in the history of the league. Probably never happened again. And and it's just so freaking tough. You got to catch lightning in a bottle. And they never did. And when, when Lou came in and they hired Brendan Shanahan, and they had everyone calls it the Shanna plan, as we all know. It's well documented. It's a term that we've been <laughs> that's, that's we've been using. Term. That's the first time I've heard that. I like that. <laughs> the first time you heard it, yeah, the Shanna plan. Yeah, yeah. the Shanna plan here. You know, they bring in Kyle. It's not Dudas going too well. <laughs> no, well, it was though, right? I mean, you you make Mike Babcock the highest paid coach in history, and he, you know, he he came in with a resume as good or better than any NHL coach that switched teams probably since Scotty Bowman. Let's be honest. Yep. I mean, it's probably there's no coach that switched teams that came in with a better resume, even though Mike had only won the one cup. Scotty had won more, but Mike had so much international success. He had taken Anaheim to the finals in 03 as well. And 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 they paid him all this money. They give him this term and everybody knows they're going to suck that first year. And they did. And then they won the lottery and they got Matthews and then they got Marner and they started drafting and they started putting a team together and they started look like they were turning it around. And then they started making the playoffs again. And then they would play the Boston Bruins. And they were up on them <laughs> three games to two. And then the Bruins came back and forced game seven. And Toronto was up four to one with oh. 10 minutes to go in 2013. And then they lose the game. So, and then they lose in Boston again. Yep. <laughs> seven oh. games. And then they do it again. Like, I mean, you know. You want to talk about, is it a curse? Brutal. I, I don't know. There may be something. I will say something. And this is maybe something we'll get into more at a later date. I've had this discussion. I've had it with my son. He's older now, right? I can talk to him a little bit more, uh, you know, in terms of in depth about the game. He's in his early 20s. And, and we talk about it. And I tell him, I say, look it, you know, we're Hab fans. And we're talking about the Leafs right now. By Canadian standards, they may not rival, say, the New York Yankees in terms of world coverage, media coverage. Let's say the Yankees and Liverpool and, and maybe uh, Madrid and soccer, a couple others world-renowned. But the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs have insane external pressure on those franchises. And it's obviously magnified a thousandfold now by social media. It's, it yeah. is so insane. The fan base is now, you can say this about every organization. There is a percentage of fans and sadly it's the majority. It really is. They are absolute idiots, right? <laughs> there's a reason. There's a reason why back in the day, 
that most of these people would never, ever, ever, ever be heard from. You know why? Because the only way you could reach out a comment publicly back in the day was to write a letter to the editor of your local paper. And if you had a talk show, if you lived in a community that had a talk show, you'd have to pray to God that they siphoned off 15 or 20 minutes to talk some sports so that maybe you could phone in because you were so pissed off and you wanted to get something off your chest. And those were your only two ways that you could say anything publicly. So 98% of everybody on Twitter would, would have no ability to communicate back in the day because A, they can't write, and B, they have no ability to talk publicly because most of them have no guts, no balls, and, and no, no ability to take that stuff public other than to be anonymous on Twitter. But what that has brought is external pressure, the likes of which... Now, you talk about Toronto cursed. Well, of course not. They're not cursed per se, but they're cursed with a pressure. And you look at it right now. You want to talk about a team. There's 31 teams in the NHL, Paulie. You want to talk about a franchise that is going to implode if they don't make the playoffs this year. The, the, the repercussions from this are, are, could be significant. They really could. You want to get into the wherefores and the whys. I mean, we're going to break it down. You don't have to be a rocket scientist here. They're not getting the goaltending from Anderson consistently. He has, been, he has really struggled here. They're, they're, they, they, they let McAnally go as a backup. They bring in Hutchison. He can't, you know, he, he, he's, played, he's played some unbelievable games. He wasn't getting any run support to steal a baseball term. As, as we do at times in hockey when a goaltender isn't getting the goal scoring. And their defense is absolutely decimated. Decimated. Muzzin goes down. as the only guy who hits. The, the, the thing is, Paulie, is that the, the, the way they're saying it is that Dubas, you know, is an analytics guy. It's yeah. like uh, Johnny Chaka there in Arizona. Like, apparently, allegedly, they're, they're basing a lot of how they're putting their teams together with analytics. And I, I am not an analytics guy, but I've got nothing against it. If I was running an NHL team, I would have somebody there to tell me, okay, what was the course here, the Fenwick or the PDO or whatever? Give me the numbers and you tell me, and Mr. Analytics Guy, what, what, did, what did that mean for player X, Y, and Z? Okay, I was at the game last night. So while you were in front of your computer, I was at the game. And I'm telling you right now, player X absolutely sucked. He was terrible. <laughs> He couldn't carry the puck and chew gum at the same time. And you're telling me because he's, you know, his PDO was this or something. So I don't know, right? You don't know, and I don't know. I don't know what effect that is having on the makeup. I mean, let's be honest. They're arguably the softest team in the league or one of them. Now, that that describes about 16 to 18 franchises. I mean, it's a wimp league now. It really is. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a wimp league. But... You know, you guys are going to get run over out there on a lot of teams, including the Montreal Canadiens. They've I told you that when we talked there a, a while ago. Anyway, I've gone on and rambled on. As no, I well, well, look, buddy. I mean, I, look, you, you, look, these are all valid points. I mean, it's it's heart and soul, whether it's, you know, analytics. I mean, you just look at, uh, 
you know, uh, the teams that have, you know, won here in the last couple of years. Look what, uh, you know, St. Louis did. Look what, uh, you know, Ovechkin and, and, and that whole crew. I mean, eventually, you know, all those years, they were having the same struggles, too, as far as, you know, losing Game 7s at home and all that other stuff. They couldn't get past the Penguins. They had their, you know, uh, own albatross as well, too. I mean, I, I, I you know, and, and here we are, us Ranger fans here, we got this goaltending uh, situation, the three-headed monster, and we're salivating, you know, at, at the possibility of, uh, you know, not that we want to lose, them, but it, it's, it just makes sense for probably the organization right now to get uh, some big return here for Georgiev because we're deep with Shostorkin. And uh, I'm a, I threw it last night on my show with Kevin, my, our Ranger show, that I say trade Lin, get Lundqvist traded too. Send him to Colorado. Let's get as much stuff as we can and, and see what yeah. happens. But, you know, you, you see a team like Toronto in that kind of a situation, big money, big stars, you know, the the big coach there, everything else, the big city, the new building over the last few years, the the fan base. I mean, you bring up those memories of the Bruins series, and all I can picture is, you know, they, they put all the fan, fans out in the, in the promenade out there outside. I'm like, oh, my God, that's right. They've been just crushed and devastated. So, you know, uh, look, the Rangers won here in 94, right? And I remember that. It was a religious experience for me, right? So I'm 24 at the time when they win. And to me, I honestly sat there, William, and I said, you know what? If they never win again, I'm good because I, I got to see it. I mean, I know that's not fair to the new younger fans, but, you know, there's that kind of sense that, hey, we, it, it's, it, there's something about winning it. And I, and I think in the modern era now with the Leafs, everything you said is bang on with social media, the coverage, the players, the Omar analytics, their watch 24-7, what they eat, when they sleep, what, yeah, what it's, it's, bike it's machine ridiculous. they're riding. It's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Every Everybody playing in this league, uh, it is. It's the hardest sports trophy in the world to win. I've been saying that. I say that all the time. Uh, it's it's one of the longest seasons. It's brutal because not well, the other thing that nobody sees outside of the games are the practices, uh, the strict. Uh, you know, you gotta tr- you know train right, you gotta eat right, you gotta just do all that stuff. Yes, the rewards are amazing if you get there or not, and if you get out early and you don't make the playoffs, you got a pretty decent summer to hang out for a couple of months before you get back on the bike in September. But um, just you know, in sh- just in short here, just it's just fascinating to see a team like the Leafs, but. There's a bunch of other teams in the league. You know, the history of losing, I guess you call it, Liam, right? There's only a handful of teams that have really have won the championships. And, and Toronto, with all that money and, and just like what, exactly what you just said, the pressure on them, the external pressure, I think you nailed it right there. It just maximizes the whole thing. Well, on top, on top of that now, you, you can start to look at the construction of their franchise. Let's be honest. They've gone top-heavy. He uh, Dubas gave in to Nylander. Um, he, he's, he's, he gave Matthews the big money, gave Marner the big money. He gave in an Elander. There's no doubt about it. One, uh, one, if not two of their at least top nine and probably one of their top six are going to have to be moved. They need defensive help, whether they can do that before this trade deadline and do anything here to get back in the race. Now you gotta, you gotta jump over the flyers just to get into the playoff, uh, just to get into the wildcard spot. We're trying to catch Florida in the Atlantic. They're in trouble, man, because yeah. they're having a hard time defending right now. And and now you can look at actually the makeup of the team. And and uh, there's a, that that uh, that's getting into the hockey side of it. I just think there's so much else going on. But you know, Kyle Dubas came in number one with a bullet. Um, a great resume out of Sault Ste. Marie, Junior Ontario did great job. Uh, came in as a understudy to Lou Lamarillo. 
And when when the when Shanahan's plan, the Shanna plan was when when Dubas when he de- when he felt he was ready, they said, Lou, thank you very much. And Lou said, Well, yeah, Lou, we'd like you to stay on as an advisor. And he said, F you, man, I want to I'd like to keep going. Well, no, well, we're, we're, we're promoting the kid and see you later, Mark Hunter. And, you know, we don't want your services either. And uh, and they promote, uh, you know, uh, and buddy, the young fella there. And and, 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 and uh, yeah. And don't yeah. forget, man, if the Islanders are definitely making the playoffs, there's no doubt about it. And the Tavares thing is just another thing, too. I mean, you know, and Trot's you know. coming here. I mean, if they don't make it, right? If they don't the get crowd in, at Long Island that first game, he was oh, back. Well, look, that's again, we could do another episode on that. I'm not. Uh, I think there's certain ways <laughs> you got to handle it, but it, but it's certain ways you got to handle yourself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, as far as you know, John had every right to go wherever he wanted to do for the money and all that other stuff. But just as a business standpoint, home, you know? yeah. But as a business standpoint, and and just a team to team. But man, the Islanders are they're they're good, man. They're well coached. Um, they're they're tough to beat. And they're going to yeah. get in the playoffs, and you know Trotz is going to have them ready. You know, even with the the sweep in the second round last year, after the sweep in the Pens, um, they're they're kind of settled down. He's got another year with these guys too. But man, just to think, if the Isles get in and the Leafs don't get in, and and that gets to your point too. With you mentioned two great teams, I mean Philly's playing good, and, and Carolina is going to be good too. The Metro's tough here. Uh, you know, you got uh, Vigneault there coaching the Flyers are playing really good. Columbus and Torts and stuff. So it, it's not going to be easy getting that last wild card spot. But man, if um if they get desperate, if the, you know what you just said as far as the external pressure and now the internal pressure, if they get desperate here at the trading deadline too, man, I think you're right that the whole thing could implode. Well, it's it's I can't even think of it. If they miss the playoffs, there's they'll they'll have to circle the wagons really for for you know lack of a better term. And it'll be interesting to see what the fallout of that would be because. This would be obviously a major step back in in everything that's gone on here since they signed Babcock, since they brought Lou over and he's gone and brought Dubas in and and drafted Matthews and and done everything. I mean, this would be in four years. This would be the biggest kick in the you know where that you could possibly imagine. So uh, I don't think there's another franchise of the 31. And I mean, Montreal. Yeah, or uh, or anybody else, any other American team as well. It's, I mean, if Winnipeg doesn't make it, they, they, their decor was decimated at the start of the season. I know I don't think anybody even expected them to be hanging around a playoff spot. They're three points out now. They've lost a couple in a row. We'll see what happens. Habs are what they are, and that's a whole other story. But there was nowhere near the expectations on them that there has been or is on Toronto this year for sure. And I'll tell you what, Paulie, uh, <laughs> if they don't make it, um, it's going to be interesting. And if they don't make any deals here by February 24th, I think is a deadline, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, th- then uh, uh, if he isn't able to do something here to uh, shore up their shortcomings in very short notice here to uh, get this thing turned around, um, you know, it's it's going to be very, very interesting to see what the, uh, what the fallout is, my friend. Good luck to the Leafs, and uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's get into uh, real quick. Let's t- talk about your your column here, and, and you, you, I'm going to let you just take it and, and let everybody know what what what, uh, what you did here on Ovechkin and, and your take here on him as a yeah. uh, a player here in the National Hockey League. Well, for anybody listening, um, you, as I said, uh, and and Paulie, you're great at you know uh, putting all the tags up on Twitter and whatnot. So if you do go on my Twitter feed, you just got to go back a couple days. I wrote a a blog, I guess, for lack of a better term. I write them, I don't know, I write one or two a month, uh, usually just out of when. This one here, because Ovi 
You know, I mean, he went racing up there, scoring goals in the 690 range, you know, passing Mario and, and, and Steve Eiserman and Mark Messier. He's going to score 700 this year. He's going to end up probably around, you know, seventh or eighth by the time this season's all said and done in the low 700s for career goals. So people are saying, well, Liam, where, where, where's he rank for you? Where's he rank for you? So I did a story. So I wrote a story, but I wrote it. I wrote it this way, Polly. I did the story. I said, look, it, you're going to talk about goal scoring. It, re, it starts and stops with Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he's the all-time leader at A94. He scored 92 in a season. He scored 50 in 39 games. And he had four consecutive 70-goal seasons. I don't care what the era was. I don't care about the rules, the goaltending, anything else. Nobody else was doing it. He was light years ahead of everybody. And he ended up ahead of everybody. And he still probably will be. So I did a story. And I did it from this point of view. On the one-dimensional player. The one-dimensional goal scorer. So the guy that we look at that is just the pure sniper in the game, and which obviously is Ovi. And for historical purposes, for the overwhelming majority of fans who have a little bit of memory going back several decades, that answer for years has been Mike Bossy of right in your backyard, the New York Islanders. So. And, and if you're really old school... Then maybe you've got a Bobby Hull in your list. Maybe you think about a Brett Hull. Maybe you're you would say <clears throat> Rocket Richard. And and one one of the things I liked about this particular story that I did is I phoned longtime hockey broadcaster. He was a he was a, a staple of hockey night in Canada for years, and and the Montreal Canadiens. And his father coached the Montreal Canadiens longer than anybody from nineteen. 19- 41 to 1955 Dick Irvin senior in that case and I phoned Dick Irvin jr who saw the rocket play and and uh probably isn't anybody else qualified in North America or maybe the world more qualified to talk about rocket Richard and I felt any goal scoring history talk about pure goal scorers needed to have a reference point and have some comments on him and I got those from Dick but it's my contention just to wrap this up Paulie that um I feel in in my view now in his 15th year, to still be doing what he's doing in an era that despite the three-on-three overtime and the way they call the game and the no red line, that kind of offsets a lot of how the 80s were wide open in the, and the goaltending and the goals per game in the 80s. A lot of that's offset by those rules in a different game today. I still think today, I, I think Alexander Ovechkin is the greatest pure one-dimensional goal scorer in NHL history. And I, I now, for the first time, have him, you know, a notch above Mike Bossy. And I, I wrote a blog on it, and uh, it got, it got, it got a lot of, a lot of traction. And uh, anybody who happens to listen to this, I welcome their comments on it too. It's very easy to find on LinkedIn or Twitter, and uh, you can certainly send me your, your thoughts. But um, as I said, it, it, it's just an opinion piece because I also said, Paulie, there's no wrong answer. Okay, there's no wrong answer. So, uh, you know, we're, we're doing this here to have some fun. You can't really take player A from the 2020s and compare him to Rocket Richard in 1950. There's no way to really do that, whether you use computer models or statistics or analytics. There's really no way. But I tried to do it, and I think I did a good job on it. And I'm comfortable saying what I, what I am. And I got my, my top five of pure goal scorers, one-dimensional. And I, I got Ovi number one. I got Mike Bossy number two. I got uh, Rocket uh, Bobby Hull number three. Rocket Richard number four. And Brad Hull number five. 
And and that's how I left it. Those are my top five all time. And I think you take any one of them and make a case. You want to say Wayne and Mario? That's fine. I get it. But as I said, I'm just talking one dimensional. And I think those are your 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 top five guys ahead of anybody that played. And whether you just move the chess pieces around, uh, you want to leave Mike Bossy at number one. I'm fine with that. Just in my opinion, now it's Ovi. So that's what I did. Yeah, no, it's good stuff, and, and you just, you know, uh, you talk in terms of length of career as well, too. You know, you, you think of one-dimensional players. I mean, guys like Bernie Nichols, who had those big uh, years, Timo Solani, uh, you know, in terms of yeah. big, Solani, big numbers. Solani, does, yeah, yeah, Solani in 1993, his career year as a rookie. Of course, he's 25, 26-year-old rookie. Keep in mind, he had played eight years pro, but he scored 76 goals and obviously is a 600-plus goal scorer. I mean, the guy deserves every accolade and when you talk about goal scorer he's one of the best but do you put him in ahead of any of those five guys no no i I don't no i like i i think you're you're bang on with your your top five there and i'm sure you know the the six seven eight nine ten is is also way before those guys too i'm just thinking of you know when you when you just in in a small scope uh, yeah. Because I guess what I'm trying to say is, I said it there too, in terms of uh, length of career and consistency, right? So those guys that you guys named throughout their career, they kept those big numbers up as they you know went on, uh, even yeah. the different times that they played. So it's it's been a long time. You don't really get 76 goal performances anymore. You know what I'm saying? No. Uh, usually the no. Rocker Richard uh, you know award is given out to guys are making just if they make 50 goals now, it's a big thing. Because yeah. back in the day, I was just saying, I was just thinking about those guys who lit the lamp up, uh, you know, and on one or two big seasons. And, and again, that was back in the '90s, wide open, a little different story, and it's it's kind of crazy. But yeah. no, I totally agree with you, bud. And I know uh, we'll get back into this. Well, I want to come back to this on another episode too, because we gotta, you know, throw the guy. I know you're one dimensional. That's the, uh, the that's scope. it. That's the yes. that's the car- that's the caveat here. If anybody does read it, and I do point that out quite clearly in the article, but I know, look, I I, I write like I talk. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit of a lengthy story. But if you know what, you can read the whole thing before you finish a pint. So it won't take you that long. I mean, it's it's you'll read it in a few minutes, no problem. And but uh, I do spell it out. And it, it's I'm referring specifically to the one dimensional uh, goal score. So I point that out quite clearly. But uh but you know, buddy, we'll we'll catch up with that uh, another time, and uh, and because I'm looking forward to doing this with you, uh, hopefully every week, pal. Yeah, absolutely. Seamus is calling last call down there at the end of the bar. So look, before we go, just uh, it's, I guess our toast of the week this week is both of us has got to be up to Conor McGregor there on the big win, beating yep. the Cowboy, and he's back yep. on top, buddy. Yeah, 40 seconds. I watched it all, and uh, he dismantled him, and. And I think it was kind of a cannon fodder type of opponent. Um, you felt, and I felt, we talked about this, that uh, we felt that Connor was going to win. I know some people did have uh, Cerrone uh, picked, but uh, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a huge UFC expert by any means, but I've become a fan and definitely of Connor, and uh, definitely was thrilled uh, to see him win and really look forward to him uh, back in the octagon, hopefully sooner rather than later, because he, he expended almost no energy in that victory. And, and he looked fantastic anyway. He looked in great shape. I know his weight has been bouncing around. So I really think he could do anything. I think he can go up. I think he can go down. And I think, the you know, it's 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 his pick because he he's the guy who moves a needle. And uh, it's not Khabib. And as, as, as much as he's undefeated and beat Connor. It's Connor that moves the needle, so I hope he picks another bout here soon, and uh, and we're we get to see him again. But uh, yep, yeah, that's our toast for sure, buddy. I'm with you on that one. 
I heard he's waiting for your hand to, uh, you know, to heal there, buddy. Give him a run there, huh? <laughs> 40 seconds. That's all you need, no. buddy. <laughs> that's it, man. I'd stand in there and take a few shots from him for a couple mil. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> there you go. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening to Sticks and Taps. Official episode one. We're looking forward to keep doing this uh, as we go here. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll catch up next week. Liam, good day, buddy. Have a good one, buddy. Thanks, Paulie. We'll talk to you next week, pal. Get eight. All right. Cheers, everybody. Slanta.